Hey, this little guy, yours? Hey, Tom, yeah, that's Gus. We got him from the animal shelter. You know, I don't think I'm going to mention this to Stacy. Man, I tell you, you own a dog for... Enjoy that. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> oh, the best laid plans. You know, what can you say? Uh, that, that video, had you seen it, was, uh, was about inviting people to come to church and, and using that, our relationships, uh, to invite people and to share our faith with others. Uh, sometimes our technology just kind of gets ahead of us and we can't uh, do what we want to do. However, that's something that we are studying on Wednesday nights. We're studying about inviting people to church, inviting people to our faith, 
uh, using the, the context of our relationships. And so if you would like to uh, come and be a part of that, we'd like to welcome you on Wednesday nights to, uh, to share with that and learn about how we can invite people uh, into our faith and into our church. Welcome. We are glad that you are here today. We welcome you and uh, hope God's going to bless you in a very special way today. We welcome our guests especially. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, we'd like to invite you to drop by our hospitality table on our way out. Uh, we have a little gift that we would like to give to you. And uh, we hope that each of you will feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together today. Uh, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets uh, that's on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and fill it out as completely as you feel comfortable uh, putting your name, address, and telephone number, and an email address, especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, please be sure to put your email address on there. That's a great way to uh, keep up with uh, what's going on here at Community Baptist Church as far as our opportunities for service and, uh, and ministry and uh, fellowship here at Community Baptist Church. A um, couple of things that are coming up I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, our, we'll be doing our blood drive on May the 30th. Uh, I think that's a week from Wednesday. And uh, if you would like to uh, get an appointment uh, for your blood drive, then see Jika. She's not here today. She's out of town this morning. But see her, give her a call, and she'll set up an appointment for you. And Vacation Bible School is coming up in just a couple of weeks on June the, the 4th through the 7th. We'll be holding our Vacation Bible School. And uh, again, this year, we are collaborating uh, with three other churches, uh, First Christian Church, uh, the Presbyterian Church uh, and St. Paul's Episcopal Church, along with us, will be collaborating to, uh, to hold this vacation Bible school. And we kind of move it around from church to church during the uh, different years. And this year it will be held at St. Paul's Episcopal Church. Uh, I know that we could still use some help with that. And so if you would like to help with Vacation Bible School in any way, please see Mary Dunham. And, uh, and she'll be glad to put you to work. Um, we're glad that you're here today. It's good to share this time together with uh, the people of God, with the family of God. And I invite you now to stand and let us worship each other, let us worship the Lord and let us greet each other in the name of the Lord. And just remain standing. We're going to play a couple of songs, so just keep standing.
of Calvary's mountain. One day they nailed him to die on a tree. Suffering anguish, despised and rejected. Bearing our sins, my Redeemer is He. The hands that healed the nations stretched out on a tree. And took the nails from me And living he loved me Dying he saved me Buried he carried My sins far away And rising he's justified Freely forever One day he's coming Oh glorious day Oh glorious day One day the grave could conceal him no longer. One day the stone rolled away from the door. Then he arose over death he had conquered. Now is ascended, my Lord, evermore. Death could not hold him, and the grave could not keep him. From rising again And living he loved me Dying he saved me Buried he carried My sins far away And rising he's justified Freely forever One day he's coming Oh glorious day Oh glorious day people said? Be seated. He's seated on the throne. 
exalted and the train of his robe it fills the Christine will meet you right here for children's church. Okay, can you hear me? In a few minutes, we're going to have our graduate recognition. Uh, My son Caleb and Jesse Hopgood, they both graduated from high school Friday night. And it got me to thinking, you're going to have a lot of choices that you have to make between now and when you are 18 and you graduate from high school. And I got to thinking, whenever I was in the third grade, I had a very best friend. And her name was Jody. And her and her mother, they asked me one day if I wanted to go to this big rummage sale with them. So I went to the rummage sale with them, and I didn't have any money because I didn't know I was going. 
But Jody, she found this silver bracelet, and her mom bought it for her. And it was, I don't know, she either paid a quarter or 50 cents for this bracelet. Well, the next Monday at school, everybody, all the other girls, thought her bracelet was so pretty. They kept going on and on and on about how pretty her bracelet was. Well, I started, this feeling started growing in my stomach. I wasn't real happy about her getting all this attention, and I wasn't getting any attention. And I started getting a little jealous. So I made a really bad choice. What I chose to do was, when she wasn't around, I told all the other girls, well, her mom only paid a quarter for that, or 50 cents, I don't remember which it was, at a rummage sale. It's not real, and it's not new. That was a really bad choice, to go behind my friend's back and say ugly things about her because I was jealous. And a lot of times when you're making a bad choice, you'll get that feeling right here in the pit of your stomach where you know what you're doing is wrong. Well, Jesus, Jesus had a really good friend, and his name was Judas. And Judas, he made a really bad choice too. Now, Jesus knew that Judas was going to make a bad choice, but even though Jesus knew that Judas would make a bad choice, and Jesus also knows that you and I in our lives are going to make some bad choices, Jesus didn't turn Judas away. When it came time for them to share their last meal together, he still included Judas. And he didn't tell the other friends that he knew what Judas was going to do. He just treated Judas just like he would treat any other friend. Now, when you or I make a bad choice, I think it makes Jesus sad. But Jesus will always be our friend. And if we just ask for forgiveness and we do our best not to make that bad choice again, not to make that same mistake, then Jesus will still live in our heart. So when you're faced with a choice, and you're going to have a lot of them, you're going to have to choose who your friends are, you're going to have to choose as you grow up what you're going to become and what you're going to do and what type of person you're going to be. Just take a minute to think before you make that choice. Is this one of those choices that makes my stomach not feel so good? Am I making this choice because maybe I'm jealous or I'm mad or I'm sad or maybe I didn't get my way? Or is this a choice from the heart? Is it a choice that shows that I love others? Is it a choice that benefits not only me, but but others? And most of all, think, is this one of those choices that's coming from my heart? Is this a choice that's going to make Jesus happy with my choice? So just remember that as you go through life, and I hope our graduates remember that too. They're going to have a lot of choices to make between now and and, uh, when they become full adults. And uh, you just always have to remember when you're making those choices to try to keep in mind what Jesus wants for your life, okay? So let's have a prayer. Lord, we just thank you today for all that you give us. We thank you for the fact that, that we have the opportunity to make those choices, Lord. And we just ask for your guidance as we make them. We thank you for these children. We thank you for our graduates, Lord. And we just ask that you be with them as they um, 
take that next step in their life, Lord. And uh, we just we just love you, and we appreciate you being our best friend. In your name, we pray. Amen. Okay, it's time to go to children's church. Let's see, just a few days ago was the last day of school, wasn't it? Was it last uh, Wednesday? Is that right? Um, you kids ready to go back to school yet? Sure. sure? <laughs> the big kids are. Uh, probably not. Uh, summer vacation has just begun, and our kids are just kind of getting into a time of relaxing and and uh, we celebrate this time with our, our children. Uh, it is a good time um, uh, to have a, a break from school, and we celebrate that. But we celebrate especially this time for a couple of our students, because on Friday evening, they walked across the stage and got their diploma. They graduated from high school, and that's Jesse Hopgood and Caleb Kaufman. So I'd like to ask the two of them to come up here for just a second. Come on up, guys. <laughs> Man. These guys have been a part of this church for all their lives, and um, and this church has been a large part, or had a large part in raising these guys um, since they were very young, since they were born, uh, for for all practical purposes, just about. Um, and so we have an investment in you guys. We have an investment in your lives. And so as you walked across the stage on Friday and received your diploma, we need to tell you something. We're very proud of you. We're very proud of you. We love you very much. And we're looking forward to the great accomplishments that you have yet to come in your life. Because you have great things ahead of you. So what's going on? What's your plans? My plans are for in the fall to plan uh, to attend Carl D. Perkins Vocational Training Center to uh, to learn certain things and to train for jobs and just to see what I can do there. To go to USI, and that's it. Uh, <laughs> we are very proud of you, and we love you, and we are we're grateful for for your lives, and we're grateful to be a part of your lives. And now we've come to that part of the service that we want to recognize you and honor you with a montage of embarrassing pictures so you can have your seat and enjoy do we is this going to work today okay
figure out how to get in here. <laughs> okay, if you'll follow with me. Our scripture today comes from 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I had handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on that night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's stand and sing hymn number 366. Let us break bread together. Father, thank you for the gracious day that you have given us. Thank you for all those that have supported Kayla Kaufman and me as high school graduates. We pray for a continued support as we start our new journey. Bless these tithes and offerings that come from the wonderful, this wonderful church. In your name we pray. Amen.
As I come into your presence Past the gates of praise To your sanctuary Till we're standing face to face I look upon your countenance I see the fullness of your grace And I can only bow down And say That you are awesome in this place Supper comes from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He writes uh, some familiar words to those of us who have been raised in the church. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What powerful words those are. The Lord Jesus, on the night When he was betrayed. The first thing that I want you to notice about the Last Supper that Jesus celebrated with his disciples is who was there with him 
at the table with Jesus that night. Judas, the one who was about to betray him, was there, already plotting his diabolical scheme, selling the Lord for 30 pieces of silver, designating him as the one to be captured with a kiss. And yet there he is, sitting at the table with Jesus, celebrating this holy night with the Lord, And the question that I ask is this. Could that happen here? Could there be someone who comes to the table of the Lord knowing in your heart that you are preparing to betray him? Preparing to betray your own values, preparing to betray those who you love? It would not be the first time, and it surely will not be the last. The fact is that some of us have become quite adept at compartmentalizing our lives. We put our religion over here in this compartment, and our relationship with our family is over here in another compartment. Our work is is over there and our our recreation is over here and our influence in our community is still in, in another compartment. And sometimes they overlap, but often they do not. And because our lives are so compartmentalized like this, the abusive father still occupies the same pew in church every week. The salesman with the unscrupulous ethics who often takes advantage of those who are weak, still sings in the choir. The unfaithful spouse still teaches Sunday school. It happens on the night when Jesus was betrayed. Notice who was at the table with him. Judas, the one who would betray him. But I want you to notice something that's even more important, and that is that the master did not turn him away. And why is that? Well, the Lord's table is a table of grace, and that's the main thing I want you to get from this this message today. The Lord's table is a table of grace. Did Judas deserve to be there that night sitting at the table with Jesus? No. I don't think he did. But for that matter, neither did Simon Peter. Within just a few hours, Peter will deny even knowing Jesus. And he was closer to him than any of the other disciples. And if Simon didn't deserve to be there, who did? Well, none of them, really. And neither do we. The fact is that we don't deserve to come to the table of the Lord. Our lives aren't so great that we merit a ticket to his banquet. But that's all right. For you see, this is the Lord's table. And the Lord's table is a table of grace. And it does not matter that we do not deserve, we have not earned the right to be here We are welcome nonetheless. That's wonderful good news to each of us. I hope you know. 
In his book titled Letters to a Young Evangelical, Tony Campolo tells a story about grace. He says that when he was very young, he was probably six or seven years old, he was sitting with his parents in a church service during a, a communion service, and, and he, is, he and his family noticed that there was a young woman in the pew immediately in front of them, and she was weeping and, and shaking. The minister had just finished reading 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27, which is the verse that immediately follows our lesson for today. Here's how it reads. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Christ. Well, evidently, this young woman took Paul's words as an admonition directed specifically at her, and somehow she felt that she was not worthy to take the bread and the cup. And so as the communion plate with its small pieces of bread was passed to this crying woman, she waved it off and lowered her head in despair. And that's when Tony's father, a first-generation Sicilian Immigrant leaned over this young woman's shoulder and in broken English he said, Take it, girl. It was meant for you. Take it. And so the young, young woman raised her head and, and nodded and she took the bread and she ate it. Tony says, I knew that at that moment some kind of heavy burden was lifted from her heart. And since then, I've always known that a church that could offer communion to hurting people was a very special gift from God. My friends, Jesus did not even turn Judas away from the table. And in my mind, if there's room for Judas, then there's room for you and me. Judas or Jesus showed us that his table is a table of grace always. He also showed us that it is a place where we can be in his presence. Listen again to Paul's words. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Do you see that in the bread and in the cup, we have access to Christ? I, I love the imagery of, of Jesus breaking the bread. In the movie Jesus of Nazareth, the bread is portrayed as a large, round, flat disc of bread, which Jesus reverently breaks and offers to his disciples. And one six-year-old saw this and asked if Jesus was giving them pizza. And it's true that the unleavened Passover bread might have passed for a colorless, somewhat tasteless pizza, but the point is that when he offered the bread... And when he offered that cup, he was really offering himself. And every time we take this sacrament in the quietness of our own hearts, we are able to, to reach out, to touch the master. 
We're able to receive him all over again into our lives. And, and that awakens our spirit in a way that, that nothing else can. In his book titled The Body, Chuck Colson tells about a pastor named Pat Novak. Pat was, was going through a, his internship as a, a hospital chaplain several years ago. And he was making his rounds one, one morning when he was called to visit a patient who was admitted with an undiagnosed ailment. John was a man in his 60s, and he had not responded to any treatment. His medical tests showed nothing obvious. His psychological tests were inconclusive. And yet John was, he was just wasting away to nothing. He hadn't been able to swallow for two weeks, and the nurses tried everything that they could think of. And so finally they called the chaplain's office. When Pat came into his room, John was just lying there, listless, lying in his bed. He was strung up with with IV tubes going all over the place, just staring at the wall. And Pat was terrified. He had no idea what to do. But John seemed to, to brighten a bit when he saw the chaplain's badge on, his, on Pat's shirt, and he invited him to sit down. And, and as they talked for a while, Pat sensed that God was urging him to do something specific, to ask John if he wanted to take communion. Great policy again. And he asked John if he wanted to confess his sin. John nodded. To this day, Pat can't even remember the particular sin that John confessed, nor would he say if he did. But he recalls that it didn't strike him as if this were a particularly egregious infraction. This wasn't a huge, big sin. And yet somehow this was something that had been draining the life from this man. And so John wept as he confessed his sin And Pat laid hands on him and prayed for him and hugged him and told John that his sins were forgiven. Pat asked John a second time if he wanted to take communion, and this time he said yes. And so Pat gave him a Bible and said he would come back later. Already, says Pat, John was sitting up straighter with a shimmer of light in his eyes. And Pat went on and he visited a few patients, a few more patients, and then ate his lunch in the cafeteria. When he left, he he wrapped up an an extra dinner roll in in a napkin and borrowed a styrofoam cup from the cafeteria. He purchased a can of grape knee-high from the vending machine, and then he returned to John's room with with these makeshift elements and celebrated the Lord's Supper with him. John took the bread and chewed it slowly. It was the first time in weeks he had been able to eat solid food. He took the cup and swallowed something he hadn't been able to do in several weeks. He had been set free. And folks, within three days, John walked out of that hospital. My friends, there is healing at this table. Why? Because it is here that we can touch the master, even if only symbolically. It is here that we can feast upon the spirit of Christ. This is his body. This 
is his blood. This is where love and forgiveness reside. But there's one more thing to be said today. Listen once again to the whole text. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. This reside. But there's one more thing to be said today. Listen once again to the whole text. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. Until he comes. Focus on those words. When, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This table is linked to the return of Christ. But what does that mean? Well, we, we don't know exactly. We're not sure as we... Read in the scripture about Christ's return, how much of it is symbolic and how much of it is taken literally. But but this much we do know. A time is coming when all people will be drawn to the kingdom of God. A time is coming when God's love and God's grace will live in the hearts of every person. And I don't know how that's going to happen and I don't know when that will occur But there will come a time, the Bible tells us, when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's like a story that Pastor Bruce Rigdon tells. It seems that Bruce was performing a a large wedding in his church, the largest wedding he'd ever been a part of. And it was a beautiful Saturday evening. The church was filled with people who were devoted to this young couple getting married and Many of the people in the congregation that night were from different cultures, different countries, different faiths. But as a part of the wedding ceremony, this couple wanted to celebrate the Lord's Supper. So after they exchanged their vows, Pastor Rigdon says that he moved to the communion table and he invited all who had been baptized and who loved the Lord to come forward to celebrate the sacrament. Well, to his great surprise, when he looked up from the table, he saw that virtually everyone, regardless of who they were or what their faith tradition happened to be, everyone was coming forward. What was he supposed to do? Say, stop? Only the baptized are invited to the table? How absurd that would be, he thought. And and what a travesty that would be to our Lord. And so... He welcomed everyone to the table of Christ. After the wedding, a Jewish couple came up to him and explained that they were children of Holocaust families. And that even though they had lived by a rule never to enter a Christian church, their love for the bride had brought them there that night. 
And the gentleman said, when, when you invited what our life has been like, you know that you know about our pain and, and bloodshed, the, the war that's been going on there for so long. And, and we, of course, are a Muslim. And then they told about how their children got up to go to the communion table and they were drawn inexplicably to follow them. We know that we shouldn't have been there, they said, but somehow for us tonight, the war has ended. My friends, that's, that is a picture of how things will be when Christ returns to establish His kingdom in its fullness. Everyone will be drawn to the kingdom of God, a kingdom of grace, a kingdom of forgiveness. This is a table like no other table. It is a table of grace. It is a table where we can touch Christ. It is a table that is linked to the return of Christ and to the kingdom of love. And so, my friends, I invite you to come to his table and allow him to make himself real to you. Once again, today. Amen. Deacons, could you take your positions and prepare for communion? We are about to receive communion. You can go ahead and remove the cloth, if you will. We're about to receive communion and and to celebrate this ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And as we do, we invite you to come and to share in this time together. We have the center aisle. We will begin in the back and ask you to come down the center aisle. And there will be people on either side of the center aisle. One will hold a platter of bread and the other will hold a cup. And as you come, we ask you to take a piece of bread And then to move to the side and dip it into the cup, the bread representing the body of Christ, the cup representing his blood. It all represents what Christ has done for us in love and mercy and grace. That he died for our sins, each and every one of us. Before we do that, though, let me invite you to share bread and the other will hold a cup. And as you come, we ask you to take a piece of bread and then to move to the side and dip it into the cup, the bread representing the body of Christ, the cup representing his blood. It all represents what Christ has done for us in love and mercy and grace, that he died for our sins, each and every one of us. Before we do that, though, Let me invite you to share in our communion liturgy as we read responsibly. It's in your worship folder and will be on the screen. Welcoming God, we give thanks that we can gather at your table as a whole fellowship, a community of faith, not a mismatch of isolated believers. Thank you.
The list is long, O God. But somewhere in the midst of it, Christ is walking with us, holding our hands, lifting us up, mending our wounds, breathing new life into us, breaking bread and pouring wine. Let us pray. Almighty and loving God, we come to this table not because we have earned the right to be here. We come not because we have been good enough or faithful enough to deserve our place. We come because of your grace. You have welcomed us here. Forgive us, O God, when we want to restrict your invitation to those who measure up to our standards. Forgive us when we want to limit your grace only to those with whom we agree or to our friends and not to our enemies. As we take this bread and this cup, remind us of the depth and the breadth of your love and your mercy. May we find here the wisdom to celebrate and And to live a vision of your kingdom in which the doors are open to everyone who would come in. For we pray this in the name of Jesus who died for all of us. Amen. The table of the Lord is here for you to come and to receive his grace. Everyone is invited. All are welcome. No one is refused service at Christ's table of grace. Will you come and feast upon his love?
aren't we glad that God's love is all-inclusive? Amen. Otherwise, not a single one of us would be here today. We are here because God loves us. God loves us enough that he would send his only son to die on that cross so that our sins may be forgiven and that we might establish that relationship with him, that we may have abundant and eternal life. These are the blessings of God, pure and simply, because God loves us. And that deserves a big amen. You may never, may have never experienced that love in your life before. There may be someone here who's, who's never experienced that. And it's something new to you. It's real. And it's there for you. You may be thinking to yourselves, well... I don't deserve that. I don't deserve to be loved by God. Join the club, folks. We don't. Not a single one of us do. That's what grace is all about. But you know what? God loves you in spite of ourselves. God loves me in spite of myself and each of us in the same way. That's grace. And God's love is available to every single one of us. And if you've never experienced that love today... I hope you'll say yes to the love of God. I hope you'll just turn your life over to Him and say, God, I want this love that, that you've demonstrated here symbolically through the bread and the cup, but physically through your own broken body and spilled blood. I want that kind of love that someone would really die for me. You can have it just by asking for it. And so if you've never experienced that love of God in your life, I invite you to come here and, and, uh, and ask the Lord for it. To ask for the forgiveness of your, of your sins. And to make that commitment to follow Christ for the rest of your life. Make Him your Lord. If you're looking for a church home to be a part of, we invite you to come and unite with our church we are a church full of sinners. You know, every one of us. But we are a church that enjoys the grace of God. And that's the most important thing. And we try to do God's work in this kingdom. We try to be kingdom people. We're not perfect at it. But we seek to do God's will. If you want to be a part of a church like that, we invite you to come and unite with our church. Or maybe you just need a time to pray. We invite you to do that. Our praise band's going to sing us a, a song, Father, I think is the name of it. And as they do, we invite you to come and to make a commitment to Christ and to respond in any way to the moving of God's Holy Spirit in your life. Let us stand. Before we share this song with you, I'd like to let you know that your own brother and member of your church wrote this song, Mark Hobson, and uh, it was right after the death of his father. And uh, just with what's been shared here already this morning, we talk about the sacraments of partaking of our Lord, uh, supper, and uh, 
it's only fitting. This song is, is perfect for this moment. And uh, Mark, you may want to... Yeah, when I, when I wrote this song, I was with my father, and I saw him take his last breath. But it, when I wrote it, it reminded me, too, that, that God breathes breath into us, and he's our father. And the name of the song is Father of My Life. Here we go. Father, Father, Father of my life, Oh. 
O Father of our lives, we thank you for feeding us with your grace. We thank you for laying down your life for us, your friends. And now, O God, as we have feasted upon you, may we go forth as instruments of your grace and as ambassadors of your love. Amen. Right, oh.